0: Hello and welcome back to season three of the Britico podcast hosted by Mimo Tamayo. The Britico is a platform for conversations and community between and across the Nigerian and Black diaspora. The Britico, all episodes are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Subscribe, follow, and review, and join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at The Britico. I did not plan to be gone for over a year, but 2020 was a year like no other. Um, I think just dealing with the state of the world and like personal stuff just meant you need to take a break, but I'm really excited to be back and who's better to kick off season three, but Amma as my guest, Hey, <laughs> I'm like so excited, um, people remember Amma hopefully from the very first episode of the podcast, but Amma is a writer, storyteller and digital content creator, she floats between the publishing, tech and fashion industries and champions change in each of these spaces. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming back. I'm really excited you to have you. Me.
1: I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: um, I'm really excited for this conversation as well. I was um, thinking about that first episode we did. Um, one, it being, you know, the first episode of the podcast. Um, and I think the conversation that we had in that mm-hmm. episode about family, familial relationships, familial love... Mm -hmm. um and you know and thinking we recorded that episode I think end of 2018 and it went out in 2019 and between then and now (laughs) I I I can't (laughs) like between then and now like when I think about the growth the life experience the conversations that we've had in between Mm -hmm. then so much has happened and I don't really like listening back to my um podcast episodes but before this I was like I'm gonna go and listen to it just to see what we were talking about and it was just so it felt like a vault, like you know when people say it's just like you know yeah like a kind of like yeah. a peek into like the past even though it yeah. wasn't that long ago but again there's so yeah. much has happened since then
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and so before we get into like today's conversation I think as part of it I just want to reflect on some of the things that we spoke about Yeah. Um, yeah. in that episode and I know you said that you haven't you purposely haven't listened to it yes yeah (laughs) um and like one of the things that kind of was a main topic was we were talking about our ideas of unconditional love right Mm -hmm. whether we think that's a thing (laughs) um and in that episode I believe I said that I don't believe that unconditional love especially in kind of like the familial setting is a thing that actually hasn't changed. if anything, I believe it even even more. Um, and I think you said that you don't believe that it exists in kind of like the romantic setting, but I think you said something it could exist between like a mother and child. I can't remember exactly something right, right, right. specific. And I was wondering if That's that has true. changed at all or just kind of maybe what your views on unconditional love specifically in the familial setting would be now
1: okay oh that's a big question to start with I'm there so many things going on in my head and i don't know where to start where to go okay okay so i didn't listen to the episode because i i'm working through a lot of things at the moment but i'm working on releasing past versions of myself and you know i love that 2018 Emma, and i admire her so much and i think i unfairly make those comparisons between her and me and thinking oh my gosh she was this she was that girl like this that da 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 and I I feel that she has evolved into this and I'm, I'm trying to stay true to who she is now today. Unconditional love, I think my ideas of love have changed so much in that time. Um, I'm still very uncomfortable about the idea of unconditional love. I I, I think some, I think things just come with conditions. I, I think, I think God can love us unconditionally. Can we love others unconditionally? The, my head is saying no, and my heart is saying yes. Um, there's a really interesting tension sort of happening here where, you know, I've, connected with family members in the last six months that I, I just had no contact with before and the ease with which they say oh i love you strikes me strikes me and a part of me wants to believe that i want to believe that that, that love is there just by virtue of us sharing the same blood and i i, I I do believe that. I believe that in them checking in on me. I believe that in the conversations we have. I believe that they're showing love in the ways that they know how to. But these are people I don't know. Um, How can it be conditional if we don't know each other, right? Um, I think there's been a lot of pain, a lot of healing that's happened over that time. And I do think that no matter what, Family is that idea of something that you can return back to. Um, I struggle with that notion, I struggle with the idea of family that is through blood relations, because a lot of my family is chosen, but I I think my ideas around biological family has shifted and changed a lot as well, and and so yes, I think there is some version of unconditional love that maybe doesn't exist in the way that first comes to mind when we say unconditional love. I, I think there is a love that is deep and that, that is rooted just by virtue of looking at someone that looks like you in whom you can see reflection of your brothers and your sisters and your mothers and your fathers. And I do think that is in some way a form of unconditional love. And I think I now can see more that the things that we do to one another that cause those pain and hurt isn't caused from hatred or malice, but it's caused from love manifesting itself in a way that feels unloving.
0: Yeah I mean I remember us saying that I think in that episode the idea that like maybe it was just a personal conversation between us (laughs) I can't remember now (laughs) but just the idea that obviously the people who can hurt you the most are family or you know just people who who love you right because they know I do think there's something unique about family though because I think particularly for people who have seen you grow from your childhood and they see the points that push you and stuff they know the right buttons to um push and it's interesting because I have just watched the most recent episode of this is us um, oh God. right why? With, why would you do it to yourself <laughs> <laughs> with um Kevin and Randall um and it's not much of a spoiler I won't spoil it for people who are just watching but you know just the idea of like they're addressing some of the things that have been points of tension and it's just interesting having watched that you know seen that relationship and the conversation we are about to have and you know, what you spoke about kind of biological family and sort of tensions there and um, how that can differ sometimes in your relationship with your chosen family. And that's a lot of what I actually want to talk about today. But just before that, you know, one of the other things that we had spoken about on the episode, and I think was actually the part of the episode that left me with the most discomfort was my, um, my feelings at the time on people like trauma in people Mm -hmm. um and I remember you know like I read it and it literally felt like I kind of felt a bit like gross like hearing myself Mm -hmm. say that about you Mm know something along the lines of like you know I don't care who you are I believe like everyone is dealing with trauma Mm -hmm. I don't think I actually believe that now um Mm -hmm. I think actually I think we've become so used to the word trauma in society that actually we not throw it around but I think can use it quite flippantly and I think I I did that for mm. reasons I, I know why I said that at the time um I do think that there are a lot of people dealing with trauma I think actually what's more common is that everyone is dealing with some kind of familial hang-up and that's yeah. what happens when you're in relationship with people but in that you said <laughs> you spoke about um trauma through generations yeah. and I thought yeah. that was really interesting and I remember before then I think I said it on the first podcast episode that you know I used to hear people say that and I was just like like whatever um but I'd begun I'd come to believe that that was true mm-hmm. and again yeah. I still think that is true actually I think mm-hmm. um I think there are two different things I think there is one thing about having this like ongoing tension with a family member and then actually having like Trauma as a result of family childhood experience and generationally, um, I think those two things can be true. I don't think they're always the same. Um, and so, like, luckily enough, I have kind of this opportunity to sort of look back at that version of myself and say, there were reasons I felt like that, but actually that's not the case. But I Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to know if your feelings about sort of like generational trauma kind of stand or if that shifted or if you think that is actually still very much a thing that actually trauma can carry itself through um generations as a result of you know kind of like the history of black people generally and so on and so forth
1: I do I think so um I think okay so like this might sound very simplistic but I I think my, my understanding my belief is that culture is at one time was passed on through family first and you would pass on recipes you would pass on language you would
0: 100% agree
1: and so culture was stimulated in that way but I think alongside that you pass on ways of dealing with things that aren't always helpful and you pass on traits that aren't always helpful and so I think that is one way in which generational trauma sort of passes down is literally through the habits you learn. And it's interesting, again, I said, I've reconnected with family and hearing stories about my grandparents and hearing how similar, you know, my aunties and uncles demonstrate those qualities, good and bad, and how us as cousins and siblings do the same thing. I just think I've never met my grandparents, but I'm manifesting and acting out Habits that they have and traits that they have. How did I get that? I've never met my mother, right? And people are like, "Oh my gosh, you're just like her. Your manner is just like her.
0: The mm-hmm. way you do this
1: is just like her." Now, yes, I spent some time growing up with her sister, and yes, I spent some time growing up with her husband. But those things, separate of themselves, do not result in the characteristics. My mother loved. It. My mother was a hairdresser. She was a hairstylist. She wanted to sort of start a business in Ghana. I learned this a few weeks ago and I died. I was like, oh my gosh, gagging. Because one, I love hair and no, I'm not a hairstylist, but I have a whole podcast of diving deeper into that. And just even hearing something like that, that connected us, something so small, just made me think, oh my goodness, you know? Um, So those are good things. Those are good things, but I do think also you pass on some bad things as well. And then aside from that, I think, I think also thinking genetically, there has to be something, right? I don't know. I haven't done the Googles on this. I am not advocating for anything, but I I, I in the same way that there is a strength and a, an endurance and a courage and a spirituality that has been passed on through generations, I think there is also a pain and a sadness and a mourning. And I think that is reflected in many parts of our culture in the way we laugh things off, in the way we use food as a form of comfort and healing in the way that we speak amongst ourselves. I think that is something there. Um, So yes, yes, I do think generational trauma is functioning with us in the same way that generational joy and happiness and peace and contentment and all these good qualities do. I think they amalgamate together in a very strange, in a very strange way. And I think, you know, I was listening to a podcast a while ago and the person said it takes one person to break a generational curse, a generational trauma. It takes one person to be able to identify it and decide and determine that they don't want to carry that forward. Meaning that their children will never have to do that. Meaning there's a whole generation of people coming that don't have to
0: approach things the same way. Um, You know what's interesting about that last point as well? Something else that you... And it's not actually something that, like, I mm-hmm. plan on talking about it, talking about with you today. There was something that you said in that episode that when I say I randomly think of, think about it all the mm-hmm. time, because mm-hmm. um, we were talking about how you know a lot of us are again like trying to take make, make a conscious decisions to do things differently, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's when you know better, you do better. Um, yeah. You know, so it was the idea that like there's a generation of people who might like have hang-ups from, you know, our parents' generation, but we want to do yeah. better. And, you know, people are like going to therapy and like having difficult full conversation and all of this. And I remember you said something like, yeah, all of that is really important and really good. And we should, but we'll probably mess up our kids in other ways. <laughs> and 100%. I think about that all the time because it's so true, right? Like we will probably still have a generation of like the next generation of like kids who will still need to go to therapy. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs>
1: honestly, because, and I literally said the same thing yesterday, but, our parents did better than their parents and their parents did better than their parents so that is how we work as humans we're always going to try and do better but we are always going to create situations that aren't great um but I think that is something that I don't know I think that's the beauty of humankind is that we we strive to do better regardless of how unrealistic it may seem at times we want better and is there a time and a point where we reach that idea of better and that is that that generation then does not need therapy and that generation is fine we'll have to see but it is a work in progress um but that's scary right like just I know
0: thinking about- I know and what's interesting though as well is because it, it kind of connects with something that you said earlier you know I think about the fact that we're also products of our environment And that can be our culture, both the culture of our parents and the culture of which of like in which we live Mm -hmm. and, you know, and the society. And that's something as well that I'm really interested in. Part of the space that I want this kind of podcast, this platform to occupy is when we have conversations between and across the Nigerian and Black diaspora. And like I have said, I think, well, maybe I haven't actually said explicitly before. It's there is something about investigating what it means to be Nigerian, because. So, so many different people make up what it means to be a Nigeria. We're all experiencing being a Nigerian in different societies and cultures. And then how do we connect with Black people? What can we learn from each other? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just this, I'm just like really interested and in like very invested in the Black diaspora <laughs> as a whole, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but also the idea that like we make culture, we can make a decision and say, I'm no longer going to do this. I'm now going to do this. Is this a divergence of culture? Is this a product of the society that I've been brought up in? And how does this then, like, impact the next generation? And, like, how does this forge how family interact with one another? And I think it's just something that I think about a lot. Um, And I think it's so interesting because you said something earlier about, or it got me thinking when you're talking about sort of biological family and the traits that you see there you know the family that you choose and something that I'm really interested in and we've spoken about this you know privately before is how we show up in those different settings how we relate to people Mm -hmm. in those different settings you know why is it easier for example to you know where we've spoken about obviously there's the joy and the happiness but you know where the pain is and where it's difficult why is it easier to like turn around to your friend and be like you really hurt me we need to have a conversation but it's so much harder with you know blood relatives like I think it's really interesting how we do and how we don't show up in yeah in those settings and again because I've just watched the this is us episode (laughs) and one of the things I've been thinking about you know what I'm really sorry for anyone who like isn't caught up on sort of like season four, season five of This Is Us. Just I listening. am not, by the way. Oh, Amma <laughs> oh, okay.
1: I've already decided. It's too much pain. The minute I saw something, I was like, I don't think I can go into this. But
0: okay. You <laughs> I thought you. Were, I thought you watched it. I thought you were all caught up. So I, I got to a point,
1: and it was some point last year where there was an episode where they were allude, like they were alluding to. I, can I say? I don't know if I should say. So just say. You
0: know it? what? If I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't caught up, just stop listening, catch up, and then come back to this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Say it, Amma. Go on.
1: Randall's mother. I thought I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry.
0: No, you're no, you're your recent. That's only a few episodes ago.
1: I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's where
1: I, I haven't met her yet. The part I got up to is that she's alive, but I haven't
0: had anything. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay, okay, cool. I am not. Um, I would rather know what's coming Okay. I mean I'm actually not going to talk about that but what's really interesting is you know at the end of season 4 this massive fight between Kevin and Randall and we know somehow in the future they're okay mm. and it just made me think like there are some things that I just think are unforgivable like there are some things that I'm like especially as my family member like how can you say that like there are some things that I just feel like whether you say on whether you say in anger or not once it's said there was something in you that felt like you could say that to me right,
1: right,
0: right. and we've had a couple of conversations um just privately kind of like our own experiences just you know family family dynamics so on and so forth um you know and I'm really interested you know for you and I think you alluded to this a tiny bit in the in that first episode we did but you know what does kind of familial forgiveness look like to you you know when you're dealing with pain and you're dealing with this mm. whether it's hang up whether it's trauma i know it's different for everyone but you know how do you like how mm-hmm. do you show up how do you advocate for yourself do you advocate for yourself do you just yeah, yeah. It and you're just like you know that's family and is it different for your chosen family right. and if so how right. why
1: so I think firstly, the, the thing you were talking about regarding chosen family is boundaries. I think you are much better able to set those boundaries, mainly because your chosen family either you've grown up with, um, or you've met them at different stages in your life, and you're more able to set those boundaries. Also, chosen family are family, but it's not the same dynamic as other forms of family um not that it's less equal or anything like that it's just a different dynamic
0: no that's true and I think it's really interesting you brought up boundaries yeah so no like please continue but actually I think that is like the key word
1: yeah and actually I think it's easier almost when it's with those you've met later on in life because again when you're a kid there is something very specific about adults watching you grow up from a child that almost and I don't know if it's a sense of entitlement. I don't know if it's a. I don't know what it is, but there is something about how I find that generation. And uh, it, again, it's well, most of the people I'm talking about are black, but it's it's not Ghanaian specific or Nigerian specific, specific or, or like Caribbean. Or it's just it's a very mixed variation of blackness here that I'm talking about. But some of the things
0: <laughs> that, that no boundaries. Um. And. I mean, I've been in conversation with family, um, kind of like extended family who have explicitly said when I brought this up and being like, you cannot, and actually you should not desire to have boundaries in family. Now I struggle with that. I think as an individual, you Mm -hmm. can, and I've said this on multiple episodes for different reasons, different topics. And, you know, again, when I think about the black diaspora and I think about the society and culture and what it means for like our identities is, yeah, to what extent does that, to what extent is my desire to say, you know, as an individual, I should be able to um, put boundaries in with whoever, the reflection of, you know, the fact that I've been brought up in the UK. But I, think- I don't think it's a Western thing to say that as an individual, I should have some form of respect. And that is displayed on how you respect or do not respect my yeah. boundaries. And but so I'm always interested in how that sort of like culture Mm-hmm. comes into play when it comes to sort of the familial dynamic
1: yeah that's it that's that's that, that is very interesting what you said there because i think again with those boundaries and that, that respect is that they look different in different contexts and so even though boundaries itself isn't a western thing because of the way we understand boundaries based on our surroundings, it may not look like that of our parents because how they understand boundaries and the context that they bring to that understanding is going to be different to the context we bring, which will be different to the context our children bring. Um, And so I'm finding now, I'm learning how to set those boundaries in a better way. Um, I find it again easier with people I meet more recently than those I've known for years. And this period of lockdown has been really interesting in those I choose to invest in boundary setting with and growing and healing, and those I just block because <laughs> I've had people, you know, like like I say, my family's very fractured. Um, and so there's people that I've not heard from, from years who feel entitled to ask me, hey, how are you doing? Did you get married? Did this happen? Da-da-da. Like just the ma- We haven't spoken in years.
0: like I don't see you like that we don't know each other like that like stay out of my business please (laughs) I just I I really but the audacity like (laughs) and that's what I mean about sort of that and actually I shouldn't say what I mean I think it's a reflection of what you were saying earlier about it looks different because people have grown up in different cultural settings and therefore for us I'm like whoa 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 like you're doing a lot Whereas for them, they're like, this is very normal. Like we've mm-hmm. grown up in an environment where like, everyone knows what's going on with everyone. It's not entitlement. Why wouldn't you want to tell me? Yeah. Have you got something to ask? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. Um, and this I think is the interesting distinction here. I think this is at that point where if something makes you uncomfortable, as an individual, you need that boundary and you approach them to say, this is the boundary I need. How they respond to that, I think says a lot about where your relationship can go from that point. Um, and so I have learned to state my requirements and you then choose whether you will do it or not, abide by it or not. Since lockdown, I've said, you know, I I require an appointment for a phone call. It might sound really extra, but that's what I require. I can't just pick up the phone bill anyway because I might be in a panic attack. I might be having a breakdown when you call. I just, I can't. If you want to talk to me, let me know when, and then I can prepare myself for it um and I've had people sort of call and say you know I know you've got your boundary basically I know you've got your boundary but I'm not gonna respect it. I'm choosing not to respect it but as a result I've not picked up the phone and as a result I may not reply to you straight away and I think people can learn to respect those boundaries and then they can learn not to and and, and they can choose not to either. so then to go back to the question you asked about forgiveness and what that looks like it's hard it takes time um I recently found out that something that someone had said with so much conviction and truth behind it, which w- it, it, it impacted the way I viewed my mother's side of the family um, quite significantly over the last few years, um, I realised wasn't true. And that conversation I thought that had been
0: had actually hadn't been had. Um, can I ask how that then affects how you show up or relate because obviously you had a truth, something else that lives rent free in my head, which you said in the first episode. You wait, you said, and I think it actually was in response to me saying, you know, like when people say things in anger and all of that, and you said, you know, someone can say that someone can say a truth, it doesn't make it the truth mm-hmm. or something like that. And it makes me think you had this. Understanding of something that you believed had happened. This then impacted how you related to people. You've now found out that that wasn't the case. How does that? One, how does that affect how you show up in that dynamic? Mm-hmm. And two, do you think again that would be different depending on if you're in a completely different, like, sort of cultural or like societal setting?
1: Yes. Um, so the way I chose to handle the situation. Was to not bring it up to that person. Um, so it was a it was a conversation with an auntie of mine, and I chose not to bring up that conversation because there had been a previous occasion where something was said, and I had said, "When you said this, I felt this." That was my, that was basically what I was trying to relate. When you said this, this is how I felt, and the conversation did not go well, to say the least. Um, and then things kept happening that didn't go well. And so I removed myself from the situation. Um, and when I found out this thing recently, so this this is, it, 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 it's the same one person and there's hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt layering up, okay. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I chose, in that moment, I suppose a level of peace. Firstly, the situation was big enough that everyone in the family knew about it. So I knew she was gonna get a telling off from someone who had more authority than I did. Um, So one, two, I just knew that no matter what I said, it wouldn't help the situation. And so I withdrew, I didn't pick up calls. I didn't answer texts until I was ready to. And I'm not saying that's a healthy way to do things. That's what I do because that's what my dad does. He withdraws and that can feel very cold and that can feel very unloving. Um, But it's not that I'm being malicious or unkind or anything like that. It's just I don't know how to be present in this relationship right now and I don't have the strength to deal with this right now. And I don't have any more to give you right now because of a fear that you will hurt me again. So it's much easier for me to withdraw myself from the situation until I am ready. And here's the gotcha, right? And I, again, I think about unconditional love in this way that familial love maybe is more what I mean to say that I can take that time away and come back and know that I can come back. Um, And it's interesting because I don't have that same assurance with my father. And I don't know why I'm still sort of working through and processing that. I know that with this auntie, as difficult as things will be in my mind, I'm like, I, I, one, don't have the energy to be upset. But two, this woman is a woman who raised me as her own daughter, right or wrong, how the methods were done, whatever you want to say about that situation, fine. But when push comes to shove, she raised me. And... and then also, I think that you, we, I think of everything as a story, right? Um, for years I've related my life in terms of like a storybook. And I think it's how I d- detach myself from the realities of like the trauma and things that have happened. But in a story, you get to know the context. You get to know why this character's like this. You get to know the root of this. You get to know all of this information. You don't get that in real life. I don't get to know why this particular auntie has chosen to do things in the way she has. I don't get to know you know, what growing up was like for her. I don't get to know the things that she's not able to express and to open up and to release, right? But what I do know is how she shows up, good and bad. And then I think from that I then choose whether I am willing to accept both those good and bad and, and, and release everything else. Um,
0: that's really fascinating. You know, it's one of the things that I've tried to get better at um, about where possible, asking the older generation their stories. And, you know, what I have found is there have been times where, you know, I've just sat down and been like, I'm going to ask about this very specific day or time. But, you know, it's like a, you know, banter or like, oh, I was watching this film and this happened. um. And they mentioned this thing happened in Nigeria. And like, do you remember? And like, when the stories come out, even this lockdown, randomly, I was with my mom in the kitchen we were talking about something else. M- one minor comment literally led to like a three hour conversation between her, my dad and myself. And like, I find that my parents are quite open about um, their background and the way they've grown up. But they were saying things. I was like, why, why not? No, I'm rewind 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 (laughs) what and it's you know and, and I say that because I think it's not you know whether it's you know for people whether it's their parents whether it's extended family whether it's grandparents you know everyone has their own personal thing and I think it's not always to say oh because that happened it's okay but I think there is something about understanding the context and saying I might not agree with how you've done this but I know why you've done this And now I know why I shouldn't do that because that wasn't my experience. So I have to make, like you said, when people make a conscious choice, say I am no longer going to partake in that type of behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think, you know, depending on sort of your culture or sort of the dynamic that you've grown up in or your family, it can be really hard to know those things. And so, like you said, it, it does play out in this like, you know one or two individuals just doing for lack of a better term like bad behavior again and again and again but something I wanted to ask you you know you said that you know for you you'll just be like I haven't got the energy to engage with this right now do you find the same way if your sort of boundaries have been crossed or if you've been hurt with friends or like chosen family or is it different it's no it's the same and I retreat um okay that's interesting no I'm just wondering if it was a diet, you know because there are some things that right that it's just personal I- I'm like that okay I mean b- before you know I sort of know that year before the podcast came out and like <laughs> there's a ghosting, and then there's what I did you know <laughs> and I remember like having a conversation with one of my friends um actually Alola who was on episode two this was private and you know she was like I was worried she was like you disappeared off the face of the earth like what um yeah And so, again, I'm the kind of person, I'm like, I know it's not right, but I know why people do it someone who has done that multiple times in the (laughs) (laughs) past. Oh, yeah. I was having a conversation recently
1: um, to my therapist about my dad. And he's like, it's very interesting that, you know, you talk about, you know, your dad not picking up the phone or not answering messages and waiting a very long time to get back to you. Can you acknowledge that you do that to other people as well? I thought.
0: It's like, excuse me, we're not talking about me right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I came for. <laughs>
1: um and actually I, I I was confronted quite painfully this week with that. Um it's a chosen family. This person's my chosen family, this person's also my ex. This person is also someone that I think we're both thinking there could be more in the future. So it's like a pause, a break, but like, but regardless, I think this person is always going to be family. We've known each other since we were like little bubbers, like we were teens, we were babies. Um, And I was upset about something and it was just, there would be miscommunication and I was like, you know what, I'm done, I'm done, I'm finished. Like, I just, I don't think, I just don't want, I just, I'm finished, right? And in that, I just, I I struggle because I know that every time I say that, I never feel that he will fight for me. I never feel that he will ask me to stay. And in his mind, he says, I can't, one, force you to stay. But every time you say, so my words were, when you don't fight for me, I feel you don't care. And he said, when you tell me you're leaving, I feel that you don't care. And it was the first time I had really, being confronted with what that constant leaving does um even though my dad does it and even though I, I I know how it feels I don't think I fully recognize how I do it to others and in those relationships
0: um I think there's something though about you becoming used to it right because the way you've been brought up so there's mm-hmm. something about like you have normalized that yeah. so the effect it will have on someone else won't hit the same because you're like mate I've been doing this for 20 years like it's not nice but you know um yeah which I think is really interesting and one of the things as well that I'm you know I'm thinking about is to what extent does your or our or anyone's um way of like dealing with conflict and tension in the family um you know and I know I keep hopping on this like you know culture and stuff you know I think you know my position as like the eldest daughter Mm -hmm. in a sort of like first-gen immigrant household means like I think it does affect the way that I show up when it comes to conflicts and actually it's now sort of spills out into how I deal with like you know friends and family and like you said chosen family you know I know like in my previous relationship like there were a lot of you know it's so funny I always say like if you really want to know like who you are get into a serious relationship because that is a mirror <laughs> you know and it really showed me like my inability to deal with healthy conflicts right because I think when you're like the elder sibling like I just need to get on with stuff like I don't have time to like sit around talking about my feelings and like or actually to the extent that like I don't feel that that time is created but mm-hmm. I think there is something about being in relationship with the people you choose to be that hopefully gives you it's kind of this term that keeps coming up I've mentioned it earlier um this kind of concept of psychological safety like when you're around people where you feel psychologically safe mm-hmm. you can actually voice all that stuff you can have conflict and not be scared mm-hmm.
1: um but see I <laughs> Oh,
0: this feels
1: like a therapy session. Um, I am aware that that even with my chosen family, I'm very aware that that I still play some form of distance, and I still play something in order to keep me safe. And I'm saying this because it then means that I can know you for years and not have a conflict with you, because I am going to put a barrier that. It, it just, it doesn't happen. And the one time, one time it happened, I had a friend. I've known her since I was year seven. So what, like 12, 13, I want to say. Um, and the December of 2019 was really, really
0: hard, right? Like 2020 we know was trash for me 2019 and 2020. I remember we'd spoken yeah yeah. I remember especially early 2020 I was like what? yes yeah yeah yes
1: so 2019
0: um
1: December so December is my birthday month is also the month my mum passed away so it's really hard I hadn't really spoken to this friend we we were close but we're literally like sisters but like the year had just been so busy that we hadn't got a chance to really meet me we'd had conversations but we hadn't like really vibed off and i think the end of 2019 was so chaotic for me that i was just hiding in myself when i should have been saying look i'm having a really hard time um so a few weeks after my mum's passing she messages me um and she there was an issue with her mum um and she had said you know of all my friends i just thought you would understand and That really cut me because her mother's still very much alive. Um, Not present, maybe absent, maybe, but very much alive. And I didn't know if I shouldn't mention anything, you know? Um, I did, and again, I hate confrontation, but I, I thought, you know what? We've been friends for so long and we can't both be hurting and not saying anything um and so i did i caught her and we talked about it and we we cried and we we heard each other and we explained things more and we got to the root of each of our feelings and it was such a healing um and then she died at the beginning of 2020 and i I think back now and I think I'm so glad that I trusted our friendship enough that we could do that, that we could have that honesty, that we could have that, we could have that and that that barrier that I keep putting up with people, if I chisel it away, if I allow myself to be vulnerable and allow myself to really learn how to deal and face conflicts and then and set my boundaries, there are beautiful things that can emerge from that. Um, and we don't know how long we have people for, right? So like why I'm working on breaking down those barriers, I think is what I'm saying. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, I think if the past year has taught us anything, it's like, when I say that, I think, I mean, the conversations we and you have had, I think we're both very aware of that. But I think 2020, I like to think, at least shot a spotlight on what you said. Like it, it is so fragile. But I do wonder in that, you know, if it goes back to something that you said earlier, you know, you are saying like, no matter what happens with my auntie, I kind of know she'll always be there. And you said that like with chosen family, it's like they're there, but it's different. You know, it's almost like it didn't, but what about that conversation had gone another way and you felt like you were going to lose that person. And I wonder if somehow, if that plays a part into maybe how, maybe why you're resistant to maybe like taking that chance with chosen family, because it's like, you know, this is a conversation that I've had as well, you know, with family members, like, you know, this idea that, you know, blood is thicker than water. I dedicated my entire episode two to it because, you know, the phrase is actually the blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb. So it's the idea that the people that you choose to do family with is actually more powerful. It's more special because you're both t- making that choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to do that um but then the idea that actually you know the wrong phrase blood is sticking in the water is like no matter what your family will always be there but you know for me it's why I started this episode about I don't believe unconditional love in the family setting exists because I don't believe that's true mm-hmm. because people I, I'll say it I've said it before I'll say it again people get cut off every day from family
1: right but my challenge to that my challenge to that is are people being cut off it's gonna sound really weird and warped right?
0: No, it's fine. You know, I love these kind of conversations with you. So, and that's what this space is for. I always say, like, we're just two people having a personal conversation, which will hopefully trigger more conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. I hear young people being cut off. I don't think people cut people off because of a lack of love. And I think you can cut yeah, some. You've up. said this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the times when people cut out people from their lives those emotions aren't indifference which is what the opposite of love is it's not necessarily hatred there's a lot bubbling and working together and so in terms of that I, I think me knowing my auntie would be there isn't because she's my blood relative but because of the way she's shown up for me before in the past Which is a different. I don't think I could go to another auntie and expect the same because I don't know how that auntie has shown up for me. Um, And so then I suppose again, I I would I would have that same argument with a friend. If how have you shown up for me before will inform if I feel that you would still be there. Um, I think love that I, I think there's just so many layers to love, and. I I think I think anything can be forgiven based on the people within the situation because it's not about right or wrong well it is it is it is right and wrong but it's more than that I think there are people who have better who are better able to forgive situations than others which is why you might hear someone who's been able to say oh yeah this happened but we're fine how are you fine? I'm me myself, yeah. I can do it personally. But that's not to say someone else couldn't. And I don't think that has anything to do with a lack of love. I think it's about personalities more than a lack of love. I think you can cut someone out of your life. That doesn't mean you don't love them. Mm. Your actions aren't loving, but what if that's how you know how to show love? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think, no, it, it's really interesting and, you know, it's kind of annoying me that I keep going back to This Is Us because I love that show, <laughs> but it was part of the reasons I was really invested in seeing how that Randall Kevin storyline was going to play out because I was like, how do you get from point this point where you have said some really hurtful things to one another to this point in the future where we know that you're hugging and you're okay? And for me, it's um, I think it is an amazing display of what it means to be family you know like when you really do love each other and what it's like to to love each other so much but to also have so much tension Mm -hmm. um and like you said as well you know I guess there is something about yeah I guess how that love how that love you know plays Mm -hmm. out um something I want to quickly ask before we start to wrap up is culturally um I know it's not exactly the same, but, you know, like you did an amazing podcast submission for The Layover podcast and I thought it was amazing. I thought you really weaved in, for me, some things that were very cultural in that very personal story. And, like, as we're talking about this concept of family and love and conflict and culture and society, is there something that's very specific to you culturally that maybe comes up in your family that you're like in my family this part of our culture is how we portray love like this is a very specific cultural thing that I'm like in my family I know that this is how we show love to one another or maybe perceived because like you said like the family's fractured but yeah
1: my honest answer to this is I don't know my family well enough to answer that um, I just think I just think there's been so much that has happened and so much rediscovery of family you know in, in my mind it's always been just me and dad and maybe you know my auntie and uncle and cousins that are sort of away um, I think the one thing I can think about is is food um, and so in lockdown, I, I met a new auntie who lives a bus ride right away from me, but I'd ne- I just, i never knew her and I'd spoken to her until last year. Um, and I was supposed to go over one day, um, my second visit, and I was just really having a difficult time. And um, so I, I canceled and she drove over. Um, she hates driving. She drove over and I think I'd made a comment in passing on my first visit of how much I love this specific like stew, um, and how I like it with like what's not the stew? I should know in quantum stew, which is like spinach and it's got garden eggs in it, and it's got like um I think it's normally saltfish, I could be wrong, garden eggs don't come, but I like it with salmon, right? It's a bit bougie. Um and she made it and she brought it. Um and she like presented it all nicely she had boiled up some yam and boiled up some plantain and just sort of put a lot of love into that um and then over Christmas I, I met some cousins which I know I shouldn't have done but I live by myself they're in my bubble don't come for me um and I was like to my cousin in jest. I'll only come if there is wache and shito which is like a rice and beans dish and like a really sort of spicy sauce that's made with like um dried fish and prawns and things it's, I love it and anyway so we get there her mum's cooking and she's like if it's not for the fact that I haven't seen Amber for so long I wouldn't be standing here cooking and making this shito like it wouldn't be happening um and then yeah like I think about my auntie who we have a bit of a difficult relationship with but every time I would say oh I'm coming over to that like, what would you like me to cook and so I, I think there is definitely something but then I don't know if that is just about culture because I think for me the moments I have felt closer to mothers have been um in the kitchen you know like I, I grew up with my dad and no one really taught me how to cook I kind of learned by watching women from different parts of the world in the kitchen um so I don't know if it's that it i don't i don't know if that's necessarily a cultural thing or if that's me putting something that means a lot to me onto something no
0: yeah. i think um no i think there is something you know i find that maybe as stereotypical as it is a lot of the conversations and the learnings that i've had from women and i'm thinking you know nigerian women black black women actually has been in the kitchen for like lack of a better you know it it just has been and that might change as you know the world changes and society progresses Um, but I think there is something about why the role of food is so important in at least in the UK sense like immigrant communities and ethnic minority communities because I think there's something of home quote unquote home in it but then also sort of the love and the relationship and like the, the communion you have over food. And I think it's part of the reason why I also love eating out, you know, mm. and it could just be like your standard pasta dish. But I think there was something about communion and conversation over food that I just really enjoy. I find it really special. And like, I don't know why <laughs> it might just be my me today. But as you were telling that story about like your auntie that you just met and like she made this thing and like she drove over and she hates driving, like, I know I was feeling a bit emotional because I was like, that is something that for someone else that might be so minor, but actually is like really beautiful because there's something in like the intention of that action that she might, she might've been like, I want to do this nice thing, but like there was something about the intention behind that action, which I just really thought was quite beautiful actually.
1: So I will also add that this auntie in particular is very, um, She's the first and I think the only African woman I've ever heard talking about boundaries and respecting them. And I think that's really powerful there as well, because you're right about the intentionality. Um, there was just something there that I've, I've just never heard, not even just an African but I've just never heard any like older woman talking about that. Um, he wasn't white. <laughs> So I just I find I find that encouraging. Mm. Um that there are there is a generation of you know our aunties and uncles out there who are doing that work.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think there's something there about this is, you know, I'm assuming and I'm projecting, but I think something cultural about, you know, I think for a lot of that generation, they didn't have boundaries respected. There was no concept that they could have a boundary. And so, you know, I think, you know, I have conversations with my mom, and it can be something really random, right? Like nothing like huge, but she'll just be like, oh yeah, like there's stuff that we didn't even know. There were things that we didn't even think of, right? Because it's just, they were doing the best for the information that they had. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always say that it's a balance of saying, I have to understand the context in which you're coming from, but then being like, because I know better I'm going to do better and I'm going to do my best to like have conversations with other people so they also know what I know right Mm. like spread the knowledge (laughs) um but yeah I mean I could talk with you for another three hours you know this um this was a great conversation I kind of see it as like part two of the conversation we had the first time but it was just I don't know I just felt for me like knowing how long it's been since the last podcast like all the stuff that's happened in my personal life since then, the conversations we've had since then, I just wanted, I, this episode was really for me. Like I just wanted to kick off the new season and kind of like going forward with, with this. Um, Before we close, Emma, you know, I always ask my guests a question at the end. (laughs) I don't know if you remembered, if you've had a chance to think about it. Um, I always say it can relate to the very like kind of the specific topic of conversation It can be more general, but you know, this time around in 2021, what would Amma tell her younger self? I
1: would just give her a hug
0: and tell her she'd be okay. That's really beautiful. I know. I know. Thanks, Amma. What a wonderful conversation. I appreciate you so much. Like that's there's so much love from me to you. Um, and I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this episode.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs)